worshiped in this place. Change us, Lord. Cause us to be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Cause us to be believers that you're proud of because we live by your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. We're living in a world that's crazy. We're living in a world that the leaders of our nation are crazy. The Bible tells us, uh, uh, some, gives us some detail, not a, a great deal perhaps, but some detail about the end of days. One of the things that the Bible says is that the closer we get to the end, evil men will, will wax worse and worse. We know the devil is claimed to have authority in governmental systems when Jesus was tempted. One of the temptations was that Jesus was shown all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And Satan said that he would give them into Jesus' hand if he had just fall down and worship him. Well, if we recognize then that the devil is at work in governmental systems, then we see more clearly how he's operating and how he's exercising his limited ability here on the earth. One of the ways that governments worldwide are exercising control is through this COVID virus and the offshoot variants or whatever are included we have a vaccine that doesn't stop the spread of the virus that it's intended to help with we've been living in a world where scientists and other leaders have had to change the definition of a vaccine to claim that we have one Well, what does that mean to us as believers? First and foremost, I believe that it means that we need to be strong, knowledgeable, settled, established in the truth of God's word concerning sickness and disease. In Isaiah chapter 53, this 53rd chapter of Isaiah is considered to be the messianic chapter and it's the primary reason that Isaiah is considered by many of the Jewish leaders to be the most important of the prophets. Isaiah chapter 53, let's start in verse 3. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This word sorrows is the word pains, and the word, and the word that's translated grief is translated sickness in other places in the Bible. This 53rd chapter of Isaiah, this messianic chapter of Isaiah, is probably the greatest example of the bias of the translators of anything else we have record of. The translation of the Bible depends on two things, 
One was the knowledge of the translators concerning the language, Hebrew in the, the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament. But then also the second characteristic that determines the value or the accuracy of the translation is the translator's understanding of God. This is one place, perhaps the primary place, the main example that we have of the, tri the translators not being willing to be true to the, to the translation of the language. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Folks, the only place in the, this Messianic chapter that the word surely is used is concerning Jesus taking upon himself the punishment for sickness and disease. Now the church has fought over the subject of is, uh, is redemption inclusive of physical health, divine health, for thousands of years. I don't know why it is, other than just the work of the devil, that it's been such a main point of controversy among the church at large. Did you see in verse, what is it, verse 5? He has borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, verse 4. These words, born and carried, are Levitical words. They're Levitical terms that mean to take something away once and for all. It's a reference to the scapegoat. On the Day of Atonement, which comes around each year, a sacrifice that is for the entirety of the nation of Israel, when Israel used to make sacrifices, there were two lambs that were taken. One was to be the sacrifice whose blood would atone for the children of Israel, but the other was destined to become the scapegoat. Now, the scapegoat was the one that carried away the sins of Israel. The high priest would lay his hands on the head of the goat, and he would pronounce all of the sins of Israel for that past or previous year. And then the scapegoat would be taken away into a land not inhabited, the wilderness in other words, and the judgment of God would fall upon it out there. Now both were equal in the necessity to carry out the work of the Day of Atonement, to carry out the atoning work which would bring forgiveness of sins. Without the scapegoat carrying away the sin, then the blood of the sacrifice or the Passover would not suffice to satisfy the claims of justice upon mankind. So it says, surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
Now notice verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now folks, nobody argues that. Nobody in the church, modern church world argues that Jesus took the iniquity of us all. But this word iniquity doesn't just mean sins. It doesn't mean the act of sin or the action of sin. It really means perversity. It means crookedness. And it's talking about a position or a condition, not action. It's not talking about he paid the Lord, put, had God put on Jesus the wrongdoings of his people. It literally means he laid upon him the unrighteousness of the world. God laid on him the unrighteousness of the world. Now, the significance of that is that sickness and disease is a product of the action of sin and the condition that mankind find, finds himself in because of the original sin that was, created, that was committed. God laid on him the unrighteousness of us all. Divine healing is a result of righteousness. Divine healing is a result not of righteous acts, but it's a condition, it's a part of the condition of righteousness that was established upon the people of God because of Jesus' resurrection. Let's go a little bit further. In verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Notice it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him, and God has set him unto grief. That's the word sickness again. Isaac Lesser's translation along with Robert Young's literal translation, say of this verse, God made him sick, or God made him sickness. In other words, Jesus, in bearing the punishment of all mankind's sin, was made to be sickness just as much as he was made to be sin. Again, it's talking about a position, a condition, Paul writes to the Romans, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and talks a lot about the exchange, the divine exchange that was made. Jesus offered mankind his righteousness, and he took the unrighteousness of all of man. And this exchange, this mutually exclusive exchange that took place was necessary for man not only to have his sins forgiven, but more specifically, to be redeemed from unrighteousness. Redeemed from the condition of unrighteousness and made righteous by the blood of Jesus himself. Now turn with me to Galatians. Well, first of all, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Beginning in verse 16, it says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, 
And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Matthew says that Isaiah was talking about Jesus bearing away the sickness and the sin of the world. Here's a New Testament commentary on an Old Testament translation. Maybe we could call it a mistranslation because the words were skirted around and the translators showed their bias to believe in the sovereignty of God concerning sin but not sickness and disease. Now notice verse 17 of Matthew 8. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Folks, what about Jesus' ministry fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy? Isaiah said that Jesus would pay the price for sin, sin and sickness by making the exchange for our unrighteousness with his righteousness. But that wasn't accomplished when Jesus was here on the earth. That prophecy wasn't fulfilled until Jesus hung on the cross and ultimately was raised from the dead. So where's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? It tells us that Isaiah was talking about sickness and disease in the verses that we just read. But where was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? That didn't take place, couldn't take place until he hung on the cross. So why is it declared that it was fulfilled? What part of Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled? Well, the answer to that is, is hidden in verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy is showing us who the exchange was available to, who the divine health became the possessors of. Healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick. The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy is a redemption that belongs to everybody. Are the stripes that Jesus took upon his back belonging to everybody. He healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sickness. Healing belongs to everybody in the body of Christ. It is a possession that is a part of righteousness. Now I'm going to look over in Galatians chapter 13 or chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus offer his life on the cross? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us what the curse is. 
It tells us the blessings of obeying God's word and keeping his commandments. But in verse 15, it begins to tell us the, the curses of the broken law of Moses. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be the basket, thy basket, and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee, until he has consumed thee from off of the land, whither thou go to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Skip down with me to verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt. Most scholars agree that that's leprosy. And with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou canst not be healed. He's talking about incurable diseases. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. And thou shalt be oppressed and spoiled evermore. And no man shall save thee. Skip down with me now to verse 35. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. Verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and shall overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkens not to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he has commanded thee. Skip down with me now to verse 59. Then the Lord shall make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou was afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Verse 61, also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. <clears throat> now again, the translators are showing their bias because they translate a permissive verb into a causative verb. The Hebrew language has what is known as a permissive verb, which basically means in each one of these verses that we read, that the Lord will allow these things to come upon thee as a result of disobedience. He's not causing it to happen. He's allowing it to happen. The cause and effect is determined by us whether we obey or disobey his law. So here it says that every sickness and every disease, it mentions 14 different ones, some that were incurable, But every other sickness and disease known to man or unknown at that time, but known in our day, every one of those diseases 
every disease, every condition that can be named is a part of the curse of the law. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us as Gentiles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. And as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said to the people, There are six days which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him, and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed, and all of the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I love this story of the woman that was bound together in some manner, she was stooped over and couldn't lift herself up. And she was at, just in the synagogue, attending church, so to speak, on the Sabbath day. She didn't come to Jesus for healing. She didn't seek him out. So everything that happens in this story, in this healing event, was initiated by God himself. Now, why was her healing initiated by God? Well, Jesus shows us his attitude and therefore God's attitude toward those that are dealing with sickness and disease. He said, ought not this woman be healed? He gives two reasons for it. The first reason he gives is that Satan has bound her for 18 years. God doesn't want his people bound he doesn't want his people under the work of any work of the devil. And then the second reason he says is because she's a daughter of Abraham. He doesn't say she's a follower of the word. He doesn't say that she's kept the law of Moses. We don't even know if he knew any of those things. But this shows God's attitude toward his people that are bound with sickness and disease. Ought not this woman be loosed from the devil's action, the devil's bondage, because she's a daughter of Abraham. Because she is a daughter of Abraham. Folks, I need to clear something up with you that I've shared in the past. I've told I think it was two times the experience that I had or thought I had with COVID virus. In mid-2020, my family and I went out to Palm Springs to spend a few days. And while I was there, I was 
attacked with some kind of sickness and disease. I thought it was the COVID virus. I fell asleep in front of the TV watching some show. And then I woke up and I was experiencing some strange symptoms. I thought immediately that it was the COVID virus. And so I just simply spoke the word and rebuked the sickness that was attacking my body. There were some unusual symptoms that added to and made me think that it was the COVID virus. It took me two hours of standing on the word and rebuking this thing before it went away. I was able to go back to sleep and then woke up the next day without any traces of the symptoms or of this, whatever this thing was. Well, I shared this, as I said, twice. And the second time I shared it, Beth told me that I ought to go get a test and see if I've got the COVID antibodies built up in my system to prove the story. Well, it kind of offended me. And I thought, if my wife doesn't believe me, who's going to believe me? <laughs> I found through the years that the opposite of that seems to be true. The church will believe a lot of things that my wife doesn't give much credibility to. But I realized that she was right that one time. <laughs> so anyway, I set up an appointment specifically to test for the COVID antibodies. Took me a week or so to get in there. And when I went in there, the people that were awaiting testing and so forth, it was just a hotbed of sickness and disease. So I got the test done. A Couple of days later, they contacted me with the results. And I, don't have, I haven't had the COVID virus. I don't have the antibodies built up in my, in my system. So what I've got is a fight that took place over the course of two hours, which I would consider to be supernatural recovery of whatever it was. And I don't know what it was. It may have been a flu bug in itself. It may have been food poisoning. I don't know. But I've got the power of the word that brought within two hours healing to my body. And I've got the protection of God's word, which I speak daily, that has immunized me from the COVID virus. It's a win-win whichever way you want to count it. Turn back with me to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written... 
Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Skip down with me now to verse 29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Christ has redeemed us from every sickness and every disease. And since we are Christ, we are a part of Abraham's blessing, an heir of Abraham's blessing. Why has this world surrendered to a disease that really is mild as far as symptoms are concerned? And technically, we know through studies that have been done that there are some people that contracted the coronavirus that never had a symptom. They were asymptomatic through the entirety of the disease or the virus, the time that it was attached to their bodies. So how has the world surrendered to what amounts to maybe a bad case of the flu? There's something supernatural that's taking place. And the only way that they're able to control the population is through fear. I believe that it's more important in these last days to conquer fear than it ever has been in the history of the, of the church. If you conquer the fear, you have nothing to, to be afraid of concerning the virus or the booster shots or the vaccine itself. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will, will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Paul said it this way. He said, God is for me. Whom shall I fear? Isaiah said the same thing. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. The word dismayed means confounded. For I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will withhold, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Turn with me now to chapter 54. Verse 
chapter 54, verse 14. It says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. The implication there is that oppression can't take hold of you if you're not afraid of it. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come nigh thee. Verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Well, if no weapon formed against us shall prosper, this, the devil certainly uses sickness and disease as a weapon, doesn't he? We could just as easily say no virus formed against us shall prosper. No sickness formed against us shall prosper. No bondage related to any disease shall prosper against us. For our righteousness is of him. Our righteousness is of him. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And there is more than enough power in the word of God to protect us from any and every sickness and disease. I have to be careful in the way that I talk about some of these things because I know people are of different positions and it's not up to me to judge you for your position. I know of many Christians, minister friends of ours, that have jumped on the bandwagon early on where the vaccines were concerned. And they think I'm crazy for not getting a vaccine. I know there are many people that took the vaccine as a requirement for their job, not necessarily because they believed in it, but because it was required of them. And I know some Christians, some even in our church, that were afraid of the virus and they took the vaccine based on fear. My position on the vaccine, my personal position on the vaccine, is that I don't believe the vaccine does much, if any, good I personally believe it does more harm than good. And I have absolutely no interest in taking the vaccine in any form, no matter what it does, no matter what the numbers show. Because of two things. One is I believe God's protection is greater than any vaccine can provide. And the second reason is because I don't trust the people that are trying to make me take it.
So I simply want to encourage you to incorporate into your daily life these verses of Scripture that promise us divine health and these verses of Scripture that promise us freedom from fear, specifically fear of sickness and disease. I've been approached by people in different situations. One couple came to me not too long ago and said, Pastor Mike, we took the vaccine when it first came out. And looking back on it, we realized that we took it in fear. What do we do? My answer is very simply to you, the same as I gave to them. And that is, our God is a God of miracles. And he's also a God that forgives sickness, uh, forgives iniquity or false steps. So I want to encourage you, encourage those that are in that situation to simply go back to the Lord Share your heart with him. In this couple's case, they told me afterwards that they repented for not trusting God right off the bat and instead looked to the workings of man concerning the vaccine. Remember, we serve the God that promised we would walk through the fire and not be burned. I believe God's in the forgiving business even when somebody may have taken the vaccine for the wrong reasons. Folks, I don't expect the variants to ever stop. I expect we'll go from booster to booster to booster. If that is the case, if that is really what takes place, then the issue of sickness and disease, the issue of divine healing and health being a part of Abraham's blessing, this will be a fight that we ha will have to continue and will be involved in until Jesus comes back. It puts us in a position similar to that of the three Hebrew children that had determined ahead of time what they would do when Nebuchadnezzar caught them for not bowing down to his statue. They were firmly established in the delivering power of God and God performed a great miracle on their behalf. I believe he's still in the miracle working business for us in our situations. Don't you? So I'm not looking. I would recommend that you take this position as well. Not to look in the past. What we did, was it right or was it wrong? 
But at the very least, begin today to claim the blessing and help of God that Jesus paid the price for when he bought divine healing back for us. I'm not here to try to heap condemnation or judgment on anybody for whatever they've done. If I was in your situation, I might not have done as well as you. But we need, to a great degree, to establish ourselves in who God has made us to be. To establish ourselves in the righteousness of God. So that from this moment forward, we can walk in God's will and plan and purpose for our lives. You know my position. I can't imagine any circumstance that would cause that to change for me. But God cares about all of us equally. And the thing that he values more highly than any other thing is to walk by faith. There's no condemnation to us no matter what we might have done. There is only the opportunity that we have from this point forward to be doers of his word and not just hearers only. So I'm going to invite you to stand with us, please. I want to lead you in a confession. So I'd like for you to say these words after me. According to God's word, because we've set our love upon him, he delivers us. Because we have known his name, he will set us on high. When we call upon him, he answers us. He delivers us. He honors us. With long life, he satisfies us and shows us his salvation. We bless the Lord with all of our hearts. And we forget not all of his benefits. He forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. We attend unto his word. We incline his, our saying, his sayings to our ears. We keep them in the midst of our heart. For his words are life unto us. For we have found them, and they are health 
to all of our flesh. We do not fear because God is our God. We are not dismayed because he is with us. He strengthens us. He helps us. He upholds us with the right hand of his righteousness. And in his righteousness, we are established. Oppression is far from us, for we do not fear. And terror does not come nigh us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against us, in judgment, we do condemn. This is our heritage as children of the Lord, and our righteousness is of him. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He has redeemed us from every sickness and every disease. And because we are Christ, we are children of Abraham and heirs according to his promise. Amen. We've got to build those things in our spirit, Lord. We have to build those things into our heart. And they don't come. They don't come about. They don't be, be. They're not planted in our heart just by casually saying something every now and then. It's the degree to which we attend to His Word that that Word becomes life unto us and protects us from every sickness and every disease. We are the children of God. And that's the way we exercise our authority and walk in who we are. Amen. I declare this church a COVID-free zone. No matter what variant they come up with next. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word. Father, we bless you. We thank you that your word is the power of God unto each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, for keeping us in your hand. Thank you, Father. We'll say it with me. The Lord is my healer. And he never leaves me. Amen. God bless you, folks.